We are in a point now in the rhythm of our church in which we are going to be coming to a close on our study of 1 Peter. And this book has been so, so rich as we have been looking to see how God has used Simon Peter to speak words of life and encouragement into the life of believers who are suffering for the sake of the gospel. So what I want us to do now as we are finishing up this series is I want all of us to read 1 Peter together. So I want to invite you to take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to the book of 1 Peter. And if you were to write a letter to those who are suffering for the gospel, if you were having friends who are having difficulty in their walk with Christ, what would you write to them? If you were to send them a letter, what would you include? Well, what we have here in the book of 1 Peter is what Simon Peter includes for those who are suffering for the sake of the gospel. So follow along with me through the book of 1 Peter. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to those chosen, living as exiles, dispersed abroad in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, Chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient and to be sprinkled with the blood of Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. You are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You rejoice in this, even though now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials, so that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which though perishable is refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though not seeing him now, you believe in him and you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that would come to you searched and carefully investigated. They inquired into what time or what circumstances the spirit of Christ within them was indicating when he testified in advance to the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. These things, they have now been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Angels long to catch a glimpse of these things. Therefore, with your minds ready for action, be sober-minded and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. But as the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. If you appeal to the Father who judges impartially according to each one's work, you are to conduct yourselves in reverence during your time living as strangers. For you know that you were redeemed from your empty way of life, inherited from your fathers, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of an unblemished and spotless lamb. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for you. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. 
since you have purified yourselves by your obedience to the truth so that you show sincere brotherly love for each other. From a pure heart, love one another constantly because you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass and all its glory like a flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this word is the gospel that was proclaimed to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander. Like newborn infants, desire the pure milk of the word so that you may grow up into your salvation if you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by people, but chosen and honored by God, you yourselves as living stones, a spiritual house, are being built to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture, see, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and honored cornerstone, and the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. So honor will come to you who believe, but for the unbelieving, the stone that the builders rejected, this one has become the cornerstone, and a stone to stumble over and a rock to trip over. They stumble because they disobey the word they were destined for this. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You once were not a people, but now you are God's people. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as strangers and exiles to abstain from sinful desires that wage war against the soul. Conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles so that when they slander you as evildoers, they will observe your good works and will glorify God on the day he visits. Submit to every human authority because of the Lord, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors as those sent out by him to punish those who do what is evil and to praise those who do what is good. For it is God's will that you silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing good. Submit as free people. Not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but as God's slaves. Honor everyone. Love the brothers and sisters. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Household slaves, submit to your masters with all reverence, not only to the good and the gentle ones, but also to the cruel. For it brings favor if because of a consciousness of God, someone endures grief from suffering unjustly. For what credit is there if you do wrong and are beaten, you endure it? But when you do what is good and suffer, if you endure it, this brings favor with God. For you were called to this, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He did not commit sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When he was insulted, he did not insult in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that having died to sins, we might live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but you have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. In the same way, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands 
so that even if some disobey the word, they may be won over without a word by the way their wives live when they observe your pure, reverent lives. Don't let your beauty consist of outward things like elaborate hairstyles and wearing gold jewelry, but rather what is inside the heart, the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For in the past, the holy women who put their hope in God also adorned themselves in this way, submitting to their own husbands, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. You have become her children when you do what is good and do not fear any intimidation. Husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way, as with a weaker partner, showing them honor as co-heirs of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. Finally, all of you, be like-minded and sympathetic. Love one another and be compassionate and humble, not paying back evil for evil or insult for insult, but on the contrary, giving a blessing, since you were called for this so that you may inherit a blessing. For the one who wants to love life and to see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit, and let him turn away from evil and do what is good. Let him seek peace and pursue it, because the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do what is evil. Who then will harm you if you are devoted to what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear or be intimidated, but in your hearts regard Christ the Lord as holy, ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that when you are accused, those who disparage your good conduct in Christ will be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit, in which he also went and made proclamation to the spirits in prison, who in the past were disobedient, when God patiently waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared. In it, a few, that is, eight people, were saved through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers subject to him. Therefore, since Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same understanding, because the one who suffers in the flesh is finished with sin. In order to live the remaining time in the flesh, no longer for human desires, but for God's will. For there has already been enough time spent in doing what the Gentiles choose to do, carrying on in unrestrained behavior, evil desires, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and lawless idolatry. They're surprised that you don't join them in the same flood of wild living and they slander you. They will give an account to the one who stands ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason, the gospel was also preached to those who are now dead, so that although they might be judged in the flesh according to human standards, they might live in the spirit according to God's standards. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and sober-minded for prayer. Above all, maintain constant love for one another since love covers a multitude of sins. 
Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. If anyone speaks, let it be as one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves, let it be from the strength God provides so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Dear friends, don't be surprised when the fiery ordeal comes among you to test you as if something unusual were happening to you. Instead, rejoice as you share in the sufferings of Christ so that you may also rejoice with great joy when his glory is revealed. If you're ridiculed for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or a meddler. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in having that name. For the time has come for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who disobey the gospel of God? And if a righteous person is saved with difficulty, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust themselves to a faithful creator while doing what is good. I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and witness to the sufferings of Christ, as well as one who shares in the glory about to be revealed. Shepherd God's flock among you, not overseeing out of compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. Not out of greed for money, but eagerly. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. In the same way, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another, because God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble." Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your cares on him because he cares about you. Be sober-minded. Be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. Resist him, firm in the faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. The God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, establish, strengthen, and support you after you have suffered a little while. To him be dominion forever. Amen. Through Silvanus, a faithful brother as I consider him, I have written to you briefly in order to encourage you and to testify that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you greetings, as does Mark, my son. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. Let us pray. Father, we praise you and thank you for your imperishable word. Indeed, when we hear your word read out loud, we are hearing the voice of God. And you speak to us even today. You, sp you speak right into our hearts, right where we are. And so I pray that God, through this series of imperishable, this imperishable righteousness, this imperishable beauty, this imperishable glory, it's ours because indeed the gospel is true. And so I pray that, Lord, your Holy Spirit would place within the hearts of your people a hunger for your word.
May we seek this pure word. May it satisfy our hearts and give us a longing for more of Christ. And Lord, I thank you that there's coming a day in which your saints will no longer suffer. We will be with you in glory. We will be safe. We will be full of joy. And we will see Christ. Until that day, O oh God, find us faithful. In Jesus' name, amen. For 27 weeks, we have been walking through this beautiful masterpiece of a letter that Simon Peter has given to us. And this idea of imperishable is sprinkled and woven throughout this as he is pointing to Jesus in which he has given to us something that we cannot lose. That we have indeed the imperishable word of God. And so to bring this sermon series to a close, I thought, you know, what better way to bring, this, bring closure than just to hear the pure milk of the word of God. Just to hear Peter in clarity and in completion with one whole reading to see how all of this fits together. You know, in many ways, I kind of feel like I'm saying goodbye to a friend. And for these 27 weeks, I have just spent so much time with Peter in his letter, just wrestling, trying to discover what is he trying to say and how does this apply to where we are today. Well, here we are as we're going to be looking here at the last three verses of chapter 5 to bring this series to a close. I want you to see here how to finish well. How to finish well. If there is anything that has been disappointing for me lately has just been seeing those who have been faithful to Jesus for so long, but they're not finishing well. Seeing great men of the faith, even titans that I would look up to who are abandoning the gospel, who are walking away because it's just too difficult. And so as, I, as I'm studying Simon Peter, and I'm sitting here thinking, Lord, how can I finish well as a believer? How can I mobilize your people and encourage them to be, remain faithful to Jesus until the very end? Well, here at the end of his letter, Simon Peter is giving us four ways on how we finish well. So how do I do that? Let me show you four ways. The first is this. Number one, you need faithful brothers. You need faithful brothers. Verse 12, Peter says, Through Silvanus, a faithful brother as I consider him, I have written to you. So Peter refers to Silvanus. Now this is another name for Silas. This is one of the faithful gospel leaders in the early church. Silas may have been the secretary who wrote down what Simon Peter was, was telling him to write to form this letter, but he was more than likely the carrier of this letter as he went and spread it throughout Pontus and Galatia and Bithynia and Cappadocia and Asia. And so as Silas carried this letter, Peter commends and affirms him as a faithful brother. Peter also sends greetings to the church uh, from verse 13, from the church in Rome, but he says also from Mark, my son. You see, Mark wasn't Peter's biological son, but he was Peter's son in the faith. Just as Timothy was the Apostle Paul's spiritual son, what we see here in the text is that Mark is the Apostle Peter's spiritual son. Now, this is the same Mark who in Acts 13, he abandoned Paul in Pamphylia which led to a sharp disagreement between Paul and, and the rest of the group because the rest of the group was like, hey, Paul, let's let, let, let Mark come back and join us in Acts 15. Let him join us on this mission. And Paul's like, no. He left us. He's not part of us anymore. 
And so that the, by God's grace, that separation, when the band broke up in Acts 15, Barnabas took Mark, and so Paul chose Silas, and they departed, which was amazing because now this dynamic group of one has become a group of two, now multiplying the work of disciple-making and church planting. It's amazing that even when there's conflict in relationships, God is still able to multiply his gospel through those who follow him. What's also amazing is that God, by his grace, brought reconciliation between Paul and Mark. Because as the apostle Paul is days, if not weeks, away from being beheaded, he writes 2 Timothy in chapter 4, verse 11. He says, bring Mark with you, for he's useful to me in the ministry. You see, at some point they had reconciled. You see, as Paul was getting to the end of his life, he was grateful to still have brothers who were still following Jesus. And as you are following Christ, it's disheartening when you see people who once were passionately pursuing Jesus, but once you get to the end of your life, you're going to look around and say, where are they? Why are they no longer following? And here Peter is, is holding up faithful brothers as means of how to finish well. You see, having faithful brothers is one of God's good gifts to us. When you're suffering, when you're facing persecution, friendship is better than gold. Having brothers and sisters who walk alongside you to help you be be faithful to Jesus to the end, they motivate you towards perseverance. You know, one of God's good gifts to our church is that the pastoral staff and the leaders within our church, we're a band of brothers, There's no infighting. There's nobody elbowing for position. And I'm so grateful that the Lord, with the pastors and the deacons and the leaders within our church, we're together. We're together for the gospel. We're united together as one, that we are indeed faithful brothers. And that is a mark of God's grace. You see, being one in spirit and in purpose is evidence of God's faithfulness towards our church. So men, do you have faithful brothers in your life who will encourage you and challenge you and push you? Do you have other men in your life who are not impressed by you? And you can try and fake them out, but they they see right through it. Because if you don't have those men, you need those men in your life for the sake of your perseverance in the gospel. Women, do you have other women in your life who encourage you and pray for you and laugh with you, but also call you out when you're being selfish? You need those women in your life for the sake of perseverance. You see, gospel relationships can bear the burden of truth. This is what we need. Gospel relationships in which we can love one another so much, but we can speak truth to one another in love. You see, the gospel is what holds our relationships together. We all need those people in our lives who are not impressed by us, and yet they love us enough to tell us the truth. Last month, I had the opportunity to gather with some brother pastors who were scattered all across the country, and we all came together, and we were all eating a dessert one night and just all lamenting over these heroes of the faith of ours who have fallen. And so we made a covenant that night in which we said, hey, listen, from this point forward, we're going to be in community, and we're going to make sure that each of us hear, well done, good and faithful servant. 
And so we are diligently and faithfully every week texting each other and calling each other. We're going to be meeting annually, getting in each other's face and just encouraging one another. I love you. What are you doing? How's your wife? How's your marriage? What websites are you looking at? What's your financial condition looking like? In which we're, we're, we're making ourselves vulnerable. Why? Because we want to finish well. And here Simon Peter is coaching up these first century believers who are facing persecution for their faith in Christ. And here he is holding up faithful brothers as those who help you remain faithful to the very end. If you want to finish well, men, you need faithful brothers. Women, you need faithful sisters who will encourage you to finish well. I want you to see secondly here in the text that you also need a loving church. A loving church. Verse 13 she who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you greetings. She who is in Babylon, that's a reference to the church in Rome. She is the bride of Christ, Babylon. That's a reference to a place where believers live amongst those who are wealthy and godless. You see, in the mind of first century believers, that's Rome. But instead of saying the church in Rome, Peter is actually protecting the church in Rome and the recipients of this letter. For if this letter had gotten into the hands of Roman leaders, his referring the church in Rome would have led to big trouble and even greater persecution for those who were there. But by calling it Babylon, unbelievers probably did not know who Peter was referencing here. But if you notice that the church, verse 13, it's those who are chosen together. Now, Peter, he bookends his letter with election. You go back to chapter 1, verse 1. He says, to those who are chosen, living as exiles. Some of your translations might say, those who are elect exiles. Well, here in chapter 5, verse 13, he says, those who are chosen together with you. This is good news. You see, all believers from all time, we have all been chosen, we have been called, we have been elected together as one body by Christ. The church there is chosen together with you. Isn't that encouraging? That there are faithful, godly churches all throughout the world. Being faithful to Jesus and being faithful to his gospel, that brings great encouragement to me that we are not the only city on a hill. We're not the only lighthouse in our community. There are faithful churches that are remaining steadfast in their commitment to Christ and to his gospel. And it's amazing that they too, they have been chosen and they have been elected and redeemed together with us. The apostle John says it like this in 2 John 1. He says, the elder to the elect lady and her children. I love that reference to the church. Who, he says, whom I love in the truth. What an encouragement to see first century churches that are just loving one another. They're celebrating one another. They're, they're greeting one another. The church in Rome was, was saying, hey, we love you to these churches 800 miles away, as the crow flies, to believers they have never met and saying, hey, we, we, we love you. And we greet you in the name of Jesus. This is a great reminder that there are churches all over the world that are remaining faithful to Jesus. But you see, you're also going to need people you can physically touch. Look at verse 14. Peter says, greet one another with a kiss of love. And all the high school guys are like, yes. Come here, pretty girl. Let's obey the word. <laughs> You, 
You love, <laughs> you love one another to the point that you physically touch each other. Now, kissing one another in the New Testament, this is not, not sexual, but it's a culturally appropriate way of showing affection. Okay, now this kiss of greeting was a common way of showing friendship and, and brotherly love. Now, as Americans, this makes us very uncomfortable. But this is actually very common throughout the world. You see, in, in the country of Kenya, it is common for men who are really good friends to hold hands. Now, I'm not talking about like football locker room prayer where you kind of like hold hands like this. We're talking an interlocking of fingers. So several years ago, I was in Kenya working with some churches, and a, a close pastor friend of mine named Sylvester wanted to talk with me about something. And so he walked up, and he grabbed my hand and interlocked his fingers with mine. I felt so stinking uncomfortable. And we started walking, and I thought, this is for the Lord. <laughs> All right. But to him, it was a sign of friendship. He's saying, you're my brother. And I say to you, you need people who can physically touch you in appropriate ways. And that's one of the things we do as a church. High fives, side hugs, holding hands. Whatever it is, you, as we as a culture become more and more isolated behind our computer screens and our cell phones, having culturally appropriate touch is a way of perseverance in the gospel. It's being reminded that I'm with you here. Now, for those of you who are introverts and don't being like touched, I see you squirming in your seats right now. But I want you to know that this is a way to help you persevere in the gospel. That appropriate physical touch is a way of helping one another persevere. We want to finish well. But I also want you to see number three, to finish well, you need to resolve to stand firm in the gospel. Verse 12, I have written to you briefly in order to encourage you and to testify that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. Peter says that this letter is not long, okay? It's brief. We just read it in about 15 minutes. But its purpose was to encourage you and to strengthen you, to put steel in your spine. Beloved, there's a sense in which Peter is calling upon you to be stubborn, to be dogged, to be resolute in your commitment to finish well. You have to make up your mind right now, I'm going to finish well for Christ. It's not, you know, I may hang in there as long as life goes well. You've already lost. Here, Peter is saying, stand firm in the true grace of God. That true grace is the gospel. Because of what God has done for you in the gospel, through his death on the cross, taking your place, rising again on the third day, and through your faith and trust in him, by you standing firm in the gospel, this grace that you have received, do not back down, remain faithful, do not compromise. As you are experiencing persecution, as you are experiencing suffering, as life gets difficult, as family rises up against you, as they roll their eyes because you keep talking about how good God is, as you are passed over for a promotion because you're passionate for the Lord Jesus Christ, as people stop coming to your parties or as you start losing friends because of your fidelity to the gospel, Peter is saying stand firm. 
Don't back down. Don't retreat. Remain faithful to Jesus. It's going to be easy to compromise. It's going to be easy to retreat. The easy thing is to back away and say, you know what? I don't know about this whole Jesus thing. He said, no, no, no. Be all in. He's calling upon them to, to be firm in the gospel. But you got to be real and say, you know, my life is not about me. Like, that's essential. Like, Paul said it like this in Acts 20, 24. But I consider my life of no value to myself. My purpose is to finish. I love that. I want to finish my course in the ministry I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of God's grace. So remaining firm, standing firm in the gospel. I was at a summer camp this past week at Belmont University in Nashville and got to hang out with teenagers. And it was just, it was a great camp and got to see uh, 30 teenagers come to faith in Jesus and saw just as many surrender to a call to the ministry and to the mission field. It was just a fruitful week. It was so much fun to see the God work. And uh, there was a young man who is 17. His name is Joseph. His parents are international mission board missionaries in Kazakhstan. He's here for the summer and I said, man, let's get breakfast. So one morning we're talking, and I said, man, so what are your greatest challenges? And he said, I don't fit in anywhere. And he said, in Kazakhstan, I'm an American who loves Jesus, and I don't fit in. But then I come back here as a passionate follower of Jesus, and I don't fit in. And so I, I want to share with you, and I share with Joseph, you're not home yet. You're in elect exile. Yeah, I want to encourage you, remain faithful to Jesus. Do not back down. You're going to be tempted to compromise so that you can be accepted. You're going to be tempted to say, you know what, I'm not going to be as passionate for Jesus just so I can fit in and be included. But here's Simon Peter saying, no, 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 no. Stand firm in the true grace of God. I want you to see fourth and finally, to finish well, you need the peace of Christ. Verse 14. Peter says, peace to all of you who are in Christ. This is peace that God offers to us that's only found in Jesus. Now you have peace with God, okay? Romans 5.1, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with one another, or Paul says in 2 Corinthians 13, live in peace with one another. But here is this more of what Jesus was referencing in John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. It's my peace I give you. We have peace within because of Jesus. For some of you, you're sitting here thinking, my marriage does not have peace. My home does not have peace. My community, my nation does not have peace. Why? It's because Jesus is not at the center. If you see there in the text, it's peace to those who are in Christ. You see, peace does not mean the absence of suffering, but the presence of Jesus. You're going to go through trial and difficulty. You're going to go through struggle. There are going to be times where the world is anything but peaceful, but you can still have peace because you have Jesus, when he is at the center, he brings peace to everyone he touches. Do you ever think about how you're going to finish this life? Simon Peter knew how he was going to finish. 
In fact, Jesus told him. In John 21, Jesus told this same Simon Peter, truly I tell you, when you were younger, you would tie your belt and walk wherever you wanted. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will tie you and carry you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to indicate by what kind of death Peter would glorify God. After saying this, he told him, follow me. Church tradition holds that while Simon Peter was in Rome, he was crucified upside down because he was unwilling to die in the same way that Jesus did because he didn't consider himself worthy of such a high honor. And he, in this letter, is calling out to churches. He's calling out to believers. And he's calling out to you and to me. Stand firm in the true grace of God. You see, we have the imperishable seed, the word of God that has changed us forever. So now, because of this great gospel, Let's remain faithful to the very end.